This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey everybody, Patrick Moran here. Just want to let you know before we get into today's podcast that I have an interview with Matt Perino. And for maybe the first eight or nine minutes or so of the interview, Matt had an issue with his microphone. It was a little hot. Didn't sound the best. And after about eight or nine minutes or so, we discovered it, fixed the problem. And for the remainder of the interview, the sound was flawless. But just to let you know, so you're not deterred by the first handful of minutes, we did have a little bit, nothing significantly bad. I mean, you could still hear him perfectly fine, but the sound wasn't the best. But like I said, after eight or nine minutes or so, we fixed the problem. Then the rest of the interview was perfect. So on that note, enjoy the podcast. All right, what is going on, everybody? How you doing? What is up? Welcome to episode 261, future award-winning Talk About Flow podcast, presented today by our friends over at 26 Shirts. Big thank you to everybody out there, as always, for continuing to listen, download, support the show. It really, truly means a lot to me. If you have not yet subscribed, please go ahead and do that right now. Rate and review, all that fun stuff. Just takes a couple seconds to do. And I promise you, it really, really helps me continue to grow this podcast. And speaking of this podcast, coming up in just a minute or two, I got one of my favorite guests, a recurring guest, a friend of mine, a friend to the podcast, Matt Perino. Of course, Matt covers the Buffalo Bills for NewYorkUp.com. And he does a tremendous job. And by the way, when I say covering the team, I'm not just talking about writing, covering the Buffalo Bills anymore. Matt has turned himself into quite a good and successful podcaster. Him and his tag team partner, as he likes to call him, Ryan Talbot from NewYorkUp.com. They started the Shout Buffalo Football Podcast. And I'll tell you what, it's really kicking ass. They're doing an awesome job, man. Awesome job. They've really grown that show by leaps and bounds in just a short amount of time. I'll talk to Matt about the process of putting that together, what it's like for him on a typical day, at least during Buffalo Bills season, between covering the team, having to write for the publication, and then quite often doing these shows, putting notes together, getting guests, the the production value of it, all that stuff. I'll kind of take you inside what it's like with that show with Matt. Also... Again, I've had Matt on the show many times, but it's been a good six months since he's last been on, and quite obviously, a lot has changed with this world during that time. Uh, like I said, last early April is when Matt was on the show last, and COVID was starting to really kick our ass, but we didn't really know at that time just how much damage it was going to do and just how long that it was going to stick around for and do said damage. Obviously, that's been the case, and... We'll talk about what life's kind of been like for Matt on a 
little bit of a personal but more professional side in terms of being able to do his job covering the Buffalo Bills during these COVID times. You know, it's just been very different for him and all these guys and girls who covered the team. Covering the NFL draft from home, uh, no OTAs this year, no mini camps to cover to get insight on. Training camp was weird. No preseason, of course. That was big. They still can't go on the road, so no road travel for these reporters yet. No locker room access, which any sports reporter, I'll tell you, is probably one of, if not the biggest aspect of their job. It's been a, a Zoom world, at least for right now anyway. So it's been a lot of challenges, and I'll have Matt discuss some of them, what it's been like. Uh, we'll talk about the the NFL. Do they deserve credit for how things are going right now? Because, I mean, at the end of the day, despite COVID, the NFL really hasn't missed a beat in terms of their calendar. So we'll talk to Matt about all that stuff. Like I said, his podcast. We'll spend at least a little bit of time talking Buffalo Bills. I'm taping this on Monday, this intro. As of right now, anyway, they're scheduled to play. You're listening to this mostly anyway on Tuesday. They're playing in Tennessee on Tuesday night. I'll get Matt's take on how he thinks the players are reacting and traveling to Tennessee. Of course, the Titans have been a disaster when it comes to uh, their handling of COVID so far. We'll talk about the Bills' hot start, the emergence of Josh Allen. Maybe we'll hit on some other stuff. LeBron, the LA Lakers just won a title. Maybe we'll even spend a couple of minutes, who knows, talking about the Buffalo Sabres. Made a major move on Sunday night, getting Taylor Hall. So like I said, Matt, a very good friend of mine, a friend of this podcast. I've done a lot of different types of shows with him. In fact, he's been out with me twice where we did live shows over some wings, which God, man, I miss Buffalo wings so much. Why do I do this to myself? Why do I bring this up? <laughs> Autobahn North, we did a show at. Uh, we did a show at Casey's in Black Rock. Both of them were a lot of fun. Last time I had them on, we reviewed the Best of Buffalo bracket that Trainwreck Sports had put together, and we did our own bracket. That was a ton of fun. Hopefully, this won't be any different. Anyway, been battling here at the top. I don't want to waste any more time. Here it is. Let me get right into that chat right now. My man, Matt Perino. Matt Perino. What's going on, Matt? How you doing? <laughs> you you uh you, you texted me this the other day, right? About I did. my own jingle. All I, right, yeah. That you, you you pulled it off there. I like it. I did. I, I said Sal Capaccio is not the only one who deserves his own song. I like that. It has a good ring to it. I heard that song. I don't remember where I was. I might have been at a bar or something. I don't even know why. Maybe it was because I was going on my Twitter at the time. At the bar, and that song was like on the jukebox or something. I was like, "Oh, this got a the Matt Perino. It fits perfect." <laughs> anyway, well, good. I'm honored that you would uh, take the time to give me a little ditty and put me in the same <laughs> breath as Sal Capaccio. So, thank you very much. <laughs> so, look, man, you've previously you've been on this podcast a lot, man, like five times. But the last time was all the way back in early April, like a full six months ago. Now, at that time when you were on, we um. We reviewed the train wreck sports. They remember they did that best of Buffalo bracket mm, and we yeah. talked about that and we did the bracket ourselves, which by the way, we both ended up agreeing uh, the bills home opener edged out Wegmans to win it all. But yeah, that was a lot of fun. It was something different, a fun exercise. And I remember us doing it 
and then following train wreck for the next handful of weeks, however long they milked that bracket for. And uh, they ultimately had the same finale, the fans voting that we did. But I mean, there were a lot of things that we, you and I agreed on that viewers there didn't. I remember one of them was the zoo. I think we had the zoo going like all the way to the final eight, maybe even the final four. I think they got eliminated in the first round in the actual official train wreck bracket, but that's a lot of fun to do, man. Yeah, that was a great time. I I would imagine that there weren't a lot of like moms and dads voting in, in the train wreck sports uh, bracket <laughs> if the zoo did, got out in the first round. So that kind of makes sense. Yeah, true. Anyway, that was episode 210. I'll put a link to that in the show notes if people missed that. Go back in the archives and uh, check it out. But anyway, that aside, obviously, dude, uh, times have really radically changed since I had you on last. Um, back then, this was early April when you were on. COVID was early on being a life-changing type of thing. You know, you and colleagues of yours, you've had to really do a lot of adjusting. And I mean a lot, covering the NFL. Things like covering the NFL draft from home this year for you guys. Uh, no OTAs, uh, no mini camps to cover. Training camp, I'm sure, was very weird. No preseason, of course. Uh, no road travel for any of you guys yet. Um, no locker room access, stuff like that. It's like a Zoom world for now. Um, what have been some of the biggest challenges for you in all this, just purely professionally speaking? You know, I, I think first and foremost, like, yeah, has everything been different? Of course. Have we missed out on a lot of stuff? Yeah. But at the end of the day, we've still been out of practice. We've been able to watch that. We've had a lot of interviews via Zoom. So, like, you know, the content is able to still continue. But what I feel like I've I've missed out a lot on is the, you know, relationship building part of this thing that's so important. And, you know, for, you know, storytelling purposes, it's good to build a rapport with a lot of these guys and, you know, just get a sense of the locker room away from the field. And that's something that we haven't really been privy to because of obviously social distancing and everything like that. So, you know, it's it's been, um, you know, coming here to what is it now a little over two years ago. You know, I feel like I've built a couple nice relationships over that time with players and, you know, source building, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, without that part of it, it's been a lot more difficult to reach new players. I mean, look at all the new players that have been brought on that and, and all the rookies that, I mean, really, aside from a few questions on a Zoom call and, you know, I haven't really gotten a chance to really meet and, and get to know it all. So that part of it's been really difficult and challenging. And it's why I really hope that this doesn't set some kind of precedent when we can get back to some kind of normal, because that part of it was so important for, you know, allowing us to do our jobs. Yeah. And I would imagine too, another difficulty is, I mean, you guys could still tell your stories, but it is harder, like say just out of, uh, let me pick something out of thin air here. Say you want to do a story on Daryl Williams. Normally in your profession, the way you would go about your stories, you would talk to Daryl and then you'd probably talk to the online coach, maybe Cody Ford, another guy or two on that unit it would be very layered and you'd have quotes from many people but with the way today is in zoom and you're pretty much only getting one guy at a time and a lot of you guys and girls of course you only get to ask one question and maybe a follow-up and then you gotta kind of move on that's the way it's been you know what i'm saying like has it been difficult in terms of like say if you want to do a daryl williams story having the opportunity to talk to multiple people to put that story together that in normal times you wouldn't have any issues being able to do except for the work yeah yeah, definitely. And I, I don't want it to come off like I'm complaining because I'm very you know, grateful for the access that we've had during these times. But to your point, 
if 20 of us say are sitting on a zoom call with Cody Ford, you know, there's only so many ways and directions you could take a story, you know, whereas opposed to if I'm sitting in the locker room, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, I can kind of make my way around and even get Cody one-on-one at some point during throughout the week. I mean, a lot of guys are great. You know, this Bill's team, they're, they've been notoriously great about being available, like guys like Micah Hyde and Jordan and John Brown and Cole Beasley, who I really enjoyed talking to all of last off or all of last season. You know, it's just a little bit different because, and you know, a little you know, little trick of the trade. I mean, a lot of us print guys and girls would kind of stray away from the bigger media scrums when we were working on a big story to kind of put our own little slant on it and get you know. I feel like when there's a bunch of cameras in a guy's face and. Uh, you know, it, it's a different demeanor and a different vibe to the interview than if you can just kind of sit on a stool or sit on a locker bench and, and just, you know, kind of shoot stuff with a guy. So, um, yeah, it, it's a bummer, but man, I, I can't, like I said, I can't complain because I'm just glad that we have an NFL season right now. And it looks like the NFL, you know, through hell or high, come hell or high water is, is going to get these games in. Yeah. Now, another thing too, that I should have brought up that's been Difficult, at least it was, I would assume anyway, during training camp, a lot of things that you weren't allowed to say. Now, I listen to your podcast regularly. We'll talk about your podcast in just a couple minutes here. But a lot of times on the show, it's almost like I would hear you catching yourself because you know that there's certain things that you you weren't allowed to report on. How difficult was that? Now, somebody like me, that'd be so impossible, man. I got a big mouth and I got a, a loose tongue probably would have got myself into trouble, but was that a challenge for you as well? Oh, so much, so challenging. And, you know, one of the things going into the, to the training camp was we were talking about, you know, ways around that, because really at the end of the day, like this is something that I think a lot of fans don't understand. Maybe like we don't work for the bills. Like we work for you. We work for the fans that want to know all of this information and to not be able to, you know, disseminate that information was, was challenging to say the least. Now, you know, I was pretty understandable when it came to, you know, the position that Sean and the bills took and Brandon, like, you know, if you have a competitive advantage in a year where, you know, expectations are definitely ratcheted up, you want every advantage. I don't know necessarily what the big deal is about who's going to play right tackle and right guard personally, but if that's something that you feel is going to give you an edge against the New York jets on week one, far be it for me. And I'm sure a lot of Bills fans are like, yeah, okay, I can wait and, and find out when they when, when they kick the balls out to open the season. But it, it was, yeah, it was like we were catching ourselves. We were, you know, kind of thinking things through as Ryan was talking or, you know, uh, as we were planning the show, like, okay, don't mess up here, don't mess up there. And, you know, there was a lot of really intense position battles this offseason or this um, training camp period. So, it was tough. I mean, people want to know where was Josh, Josh Norman line, lining up. Um, you know, Daryl Williams was a big hot topic of camp amongst us media guys because of how well he was playing. And that's obviously translated to the regular season and how it forced Cody Ford pretty early on into that guard spot. And we've seen them now flip him uh, to the couple guard spots. And, you know, it, it was, it was a challenge for sure. And, you know, even Jake Fromm, who's become kind of like a afterthought now, where he was lining up and what he was doing and how he was, who he was working with couldn't really get into any of that stuff. So it was, it was for sure a a challenge and I'm not sure we'll ever have a training camp like that again, but I think it also became kind of like a a comical little guessing game with a lot of fans and, you know, reading through, 
between the lines and it was just a couple of weeks and once we got to the season we knew it was going to be about much bigger things and this team is like you know really good now and, and so i think people have forgotten about it all right so let's like on the professional side, uh, what about the personal side? Because I'm sure there's been, I don't want to say difficulties, but maybe difficulties, certainly challenges, different things, uh, professionally, as we already talked about, but also personally, like you get close to a lot of these colleagues that you work with and, you know, you still see each other and you spend some time with each other, but it's definitely not the same, is it? No. Um, you know, there's a few guys that, you know, I'm pretty tight with that. I do still see pretty regularly. I mean, you know, we go golfing all the time or, you know, go out where we can have dinner or I've been over at Marcel's house a bunch, uh, or a couple times here early in the season, watching some games. And so we try to do that and keep it as normal as possible. But to your point, yeah, I mean, I, I going into the season, I, not only would I see these guys and, and ladies every day, for extended periods of time, but we would see each other on the road and there's no travel and just the dynamic of our, of our jobs has changed so much. And I know, like, I always, you know, complain about it to my wife, like, you know, working out of the house and, you know, how, you know, the kids going nuts while I'm trying to do a podcast or I'm trying to write a story or all this kind of stuff. And she reminds me all the time. And she's really great about it is like, everybody's going through this right now. Like, it's not just your profession, like where everybody's like working from home and like, banging their head against the wall and, you know, teachers are trying to do it. And, uh, my wife's a teacher. I'm sure there's, um, you know, professors and, um, it doesn't really matter what you're doing. Human resources, uh, insurance salesmen, it doesn't matter what you're doing. There's a lot of people that are, you know, working from home and it's, it's a challenging, it's a challenging thing. Like, I think we talked and I remember you saying you work from home anyway before this, right? Sure. Yeah. A lot. Right. So like, you know, for those people, I feel like this is just, you know, it's seamless for you guys because you're so used to it. But for a lot of us, it's been tough. So I, I think that like, oh, it's, it's ominous to think about how long this could last and, you know, what it's going to be, what the new normal will be like when we get on the other side of it, whatever that looks like. And, right. you know, it's about in the meantime, making the best of it, which we, I think we all have. And, you know, I, I know you mentioned talking about the podcast. That's been one thing that's been born out of the pandemic, the way that it has been structured. And that's been a really good thing, not only for me, but for our company and for our, and, you know, our, our, our beat and our paper. Um, but, um, yeah, it's, it's been tough and, you know, not being in the stadium, like I I've really enjoyed doing, uh, the channel for uh pregame show, uh, this season with Josh Reed and the guys and, and Heather Prusak over there. Uh, but we're, you know, we're not in the stadium before the game, you know, in the morning. And that was one of the cool things I was really looking forward to. Uh, we have to be outside the stadium and, you know, we're obviously not traveling and doing it on the road. So there's just, there's so many things that like, I'll tell you right now, Pat, there's so many things I'm not going to take for granted on the other side of this thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people for that way. And by the way, you were spot on. This has been pretty seamless for me in terms of professional, maybe to a certain extent personal, because I really don't like anybody anyway, but seriously, <laughs> I mean, look, nobody's going to cry a lot of sympathy for you guys, but I mean, look you go there and you do your work and, and you're busy and you're there on business. But I do feel somewhat sorry for you guys because so far already just this year alone, because of COVID you've missed opportunities to go to Miami, Vegas, which you lived at and, and now Nashville. So yeah, that's got, that, that's got to suck for you, man. 
Yeah, man. I, and that's another thing my wife always does a good job of shaking me out of. Like, yeah, nobody should feel sorry for any of us. We cover, <laughs> we cover professional football for a living. It's a, it's a great job and people would kill to have it. And, you know, of course, like some of these road games that we're missing, like, yeah, it's sad because it was great times last year in Nashville, seeing all the, but and that's the, the thing about it, Pat. Like, of course I miss hanging out with the guys and, and the, and the girls and the beat when we're on the, the road. But I also miss like interacting with Bills fans. There's none of that. Like all of training camp, just completely gone. And that's that's kind of my shtick. Like I really, I really enjoy that. Like some people in my profession don't. Like it's a very there. There's definitely a line between you know that they're not willing to cross when it comes to interacting with the fans, and that's fine. Like everybody does this thing differently. But for me, I want to talk to as many people as I can to get a really good idea of. You know not only what they want to consume but also you know what do they have to add to the conversation because that's a you know social media is, can be a cesspool i mean we've seen it in, even like over the last couple of days uh, with our good friend dallas is going down over there who's just completely melted down since he uh entered the public light but you know it could be a really negative bad place but i feel like what it's good for is it i just think back to myself at like 15 years old what i wouldn't have given for a Twitter to get my sports takes out in, into the world. It, it allows that platform. And I want to, I want to boost that up for the people that have something to say and, you know, not being able to interact in person with a lot of people. And I did a lot of live hits the last, the, the last two years where we would do some pop-ups at places. We, we met at Casey's uh, uh, and did a podcast there. I did a show there with Sal, uh, you know, it's just missing all that. Yeah. It, it just stinks. It, it really does. I'm glad you brought up Mark Miller, by the way. I don't have to get too off track here, but I mean, this guy, what a shitty thing he tweeted out on Sunday about Dak Prescott getting injured. Almost, he was almost reveling in it, you know, calling it karma from shit from freaking almost 30 years ago. I mean, has a guy ever done a worse job of capitalizing on popularity than this Mark Miller guy? I mean, it's just unbelievable. He came out of the woodwork last year when the Bills played Dallas. It was a great story. Many people thought literally the guy was dead. Obviously, we're all glad he, he's not dead. And we're still glad he's not dead. But I mean, Christ's sake, man. I mean, this guy's it's just one train wreck after another. I don't know if it's him. Who's running his Twitter account? But like I said, I don't know. I can't think of anybody. Can you think of anybody that's done a worse job of getting really popular and then just saying the dumbest shit time and time again like this Mark Miller guy has? No. And, you know, I... I've, I've, before yesterday, I kind of felt for him like a couple months ago where I felt like he just didn't have the right people kind of helping him steer the ship. And, you know, all of the, you know, the, the money stuff and the cameo stuff, like that's all cool. That's all well and good if you want to capitalize on your thing. But I think, I think you could do it with a little bit more class than he did it with early on, but whatever, that's neither here nor there. I just, I kind of felt sorry for him because I felt like he didn't really know the world he was stepping into. Yeah. But yesterday is where I draw the line. Like that's the kind of stuff that to me, you know, you're saying something about who you are with, with, with the kind of comments that he was saying. And I get being a diehard Bills fan. That's all well and good. That's cool, man. Do you like, you want to get back, go back and forth with fans and talk some stuff. That's great. But when you're, when you're cheering for injuries, like, dude, that's where it's just for me. He jumped the shark a little bit, uh, officially, uh, for me over the weekend. Yeah. And it's one thing, listen, if, if you're somebody with a name and a bunch of numbers and you're, you know, a no name keyboard warrior, that's one thing. I mean, it's disgusting regardless, but 
for better or worse, and some people don't want to hear this, but at least to some people who maybe don't follow his social media as much, this guy represents a Buffalo Bills fan to a lot of people. And to act like that is just, uh, it's just sickening, man. It really does. It bothers me. But anyway, moving on to the NFL here. How much credit do you think the NFL deserves in that while it has the going out hiccups and obviously we're starting to see a lot more of them right now with COVID, especially recently, they still haven't really broken stride with, the, of course, the exception of the fans. But I'm talking about the NFL calendar from free agency to the draft and, you know, trades. It's been pretty much business as normal. You know what I'm saying? It's like the NFL, obviously the fans is a different story in the stadium, but it's almost like they really haven't missed a beat. You know what I mean? No, I, I think that the way that they executed everything so far has been pretty um, remarkable, considering that they are not operating out of a bubble. They, uh, you know, they're really trusting, I mean, hundreds of people in organizations across the league in 32 cities to really follow the rules that they've set out. And, and so far, it's gone pretty well outside of this Tennessee situation, which obviously we've learned. You know, there was some uh, some foul play, if you will, with some some guys getting together away from the facility after they were specifically told not to. But just, in, you know, in terms of what you're saying, to get to week four and to have, you know, some other instances where positive tests have popped up in organizations. I think the Falcons had one, obviously, what's going on with New England. And it really being stymied, you know, right in its place pretty early on. That's, that's a great sign. I, I always thought that, you know, listen, like one of the things that, is the real divisive topic on social media is, you know, just let them play. And if they get it, they get it. These guys are professional athletes and they're, they're they, it's not going to kill them. And it's hardly any of them are even probably going to show symptoms. And listen, I get that. Like it's great for them if, if that's how it works, but there's, there's people in these organizations, coaches, you know, uh, personnel staff, you know, team staff, whatever you want to say that come into contact with these guys and they're different types of people. They're not, they may not necessarily be, you know, in shape or, uh, young or, or be able to combat this. So this is, this has to be a group effort to combat the virus and keep it out of team facilities. And another thing that I keep seeing is like, uh, well, even from players, I've seen this, like Micah Hyde said this the other day. Well, I feel like if, the thing that they told us going in is if, if a player gets it, you just take that player away and then you move on with the group that you have. Well, yes, that's, that's the logic behind it. But the problem is we're finding out and we're learning more about this virus that, you know, people could have it for days and days and not even know that they have it and be spreading it. If you don't shut down the facility and you don't start to, you know, uh, kind of work off of what you're dealing with, with, you know, the contact tracer information and just, you know, the post moments that we have seen already, we can lead to some super spreader events that the NFL is trying to mitigate as much as possible. So it's a balancing act. And we don't know anything about this thing, really. I mean, everybody was going in this blind. I know the NFL had time and they could kind of see what other leagues were doing. But the the absolute enormity of what the NFL was trying to do was completely different than anything anybody else did. Even Major League Baseball, the, the just the sheer numbers are different. And then NBA was in a bubble. So this is you know, they've done a good job. You hope that, you know, we all got our fingers crossed this thing. We can cross the finish line. Yeah. And man, it is ever such a polarizing thing. You said it perfect too. the NBA. That's a bubble. If something was going on, that's staying contained. That's not getting out of that bubble. Whereas in the NFL, it's not, you know, I'm going through something down here in Florida. It's like, let them play, let them play. I'm very grateful. My son's playing high school football right now. 
And the kind of the sentiment, the unspoken sentiment, I think, is that if these kids get it, they'll be fine. That's a stance that some people take. Now, obviously, somebody would, who could think beyond that will say, okay, well, that kid gets it and he's fine. Then he'll come home and give it to his parent. Maybe they'll be fine. Or, you know, maybe they're not. Or that parent gives it to their parent, to their grandparent. You know what I mean? And that's how it really spreads. It could get very ugly. Now, I know one little group that got COVID and all of a sudden, and this, by the way, includes my wife, my nephew, and two of my best friends. Like 13 people got COVID in the matter of a couple of days. And you said it too. I'm glad you said that. It doesn't always happen instantly. Someone got it and then like three or four days later, it, it just spread. So it's a very difficult thing, man. Now, in terms of your podcast, kind of want to turn the avenue towards that. How much did COVID have to do with your initial thought, your premise to start a podcast? Because just a few after days after we had last chatted, which again was in early April, you started the Shout Buffalo Football Podcast. So I want to start there. Like what made you decide to throw your hat in and jump into the podcasting game? Did COVID have anything to do with it or was this something that you had already thought that you were going to do before that? It had something to do with it, no doubt, especially with how how we got it going like so quickly once we got into COVID and I'll hit on that in a second. I really wanted to get the lay of the land when I got here and figure out where my eventual property would fit in, you know, with, and I shouldn't say my property. It's now Ryan and my property. He's as much a part of it as mine, but you know, whatever we were going to start or whatever we were going to do, the, the landscape already had a few you know, things on it. And one of them obviously is the Bills beat, which I've had Matthew Fairburn and Joe Biscaglion on my podcast a ton of times because, you know, I really feel like they, they blaze the path for, for that, you know, medium, you know, in terms sure. of audio beat coverage. Yep. And so I wanted something when I created something, I wanted it to be different than that because I feel like Bills fans get a really good service from that. What could I offer that would be a little bit different? And, you know, I'm not going to really come at it from, you know, the X's and O's as much as the 30,000 foot view. Uh, I, I really feel like I, I I offer a little bit more in terms of the video element. That's something that I always wanted to do and get into going back to my UFC days. So we kind of bridge those two things together. And I, I basically said, I want to do a video podcast. And I was actually meeting Pat with, with folks in January, uh, a potential producer, a potential co-star. Uh, um, you know, tr Ryan was obviously going to be on the show, but uh, a third like studio show. And I think we were talking about this when you were in town and I was looking for studio space and, you know, I yep. really wanted to create like an, a live in-person thing. Now th that would never have worked long-term. I don't think as a sustainable weekly episodic podcast because of just the, the, the trouble getting everybody together all the time. So what we, what COVID allowed us for, for us to do is, it really streamlined everything virtually and allowed us to bring all of these people into a live situation. I mean, I, who have we had on the podcast now? I mean, from players like Lorenzo, we had Cam Lewis, uh, Jeremiah Searles, a former player who's, I, I think is going to be on this week. He's awesome. Eric Dude, Wood. Jeremiah Searles. Eric Wood is another former player. If, by the way, if you don't follow Jeremiah Searles, follow him dude this guy is a fountain of knowledge he's getting into the media game he's going to be on the show this week just a great guy that that brings you into the huddle a little bit as a guy that just played for the bills recently we've had celebrities chad michael murray uh jason tardick um I, i'm blanking on uh, uh kim jones from nfl network we had local media national media and we just wanted to be like kind of have a 
smorgasbord of, of, of guests, if you will. And it's become like a, its own thing. And it's, it's gotten really, you know, it's weekly on Wednesday nights. And then we're doing these kind of supplemental podcasts. Well, um, I don't know what it's going to be after the, the, the pandemic, but what it's become now, I think is something that it offers a video and audio option for fans, you know, at least once a week and usually multi times a week. Well, I'll tell you this much. I, I think the video thing was genius in that it really separated. I think this is just my opinion here. I'm spitballing, but I really think that it helped you separate your podcast from a lot of others out there, including mine for the record. Um, I, I think it's an element that more people should have. I think it's an element that in part because of you, more people are going to have <laughs> going forward. People, you know how it is. It's just like the NFL, baby. It's a copycat league. You find something that works, you do it, and then people are going to start doing what you do. Um, was it kind of, and plus with you, it felt like being on camera is a little more seamless for somebody like you. Uh, talk about maybe how your experience being on camera and doing stuff with UFC, which at first thought it's like, well, what the hell's they got to do with the bills? Well, turns out it's got a lot to do with the Buffalo Bills and what you do because of the video aspect. You know what I mean? It feels like you're comfortable and very seamless to transition from being just a Buffalo, being known anyway, I should say, as a Buffalo Bills beat writer and then maybe having some podcast appearances to doing your own thing and having it on video. You know what I'm saying? For sure. And people say... I tell people all the time, like, you don't understand, like Bill's Mafia, Bill's NFL, it's all huge, man. Don't get me wrong. Like, and I'm not trying to minimize or limit what I'm doing here because it's huge. It's massive. I love this job. But just to put it in perspective, I think my, well, I did a show with Forrest Griffin at the UFC. It was called the Rankings Report. And I think our, our top episode in our two and a half year run did, I think, 1.6 million views. So just to think about the audience that I had there and, you know, everything that I did there, like that wasn't just going out to, you know, Bills fans or say like Patriots fans or Mets fans or Yankees fans. It was going out to UFC fans across the globe. So I got to really cut my teeth there. And I, I've actually gone back and, and watched some of the original shows that we actually, before I left, we made unlisted on YouTube because they were so awful and I was so awful. And it, honestly, if I watch that now and I, and, and I, and it makes me think like, if I saw like a kid, like just getting into the business and he showed me his reel and that was what was on it. I might say, dude, think of something else to do with your job. Like that's how, <laughs> as a job, like that's how bad it was. Right. But so, but so that experience really like, I mean, I, I saw a, area and this is one of the things i talked about with my bosses at syracuse.com new york upstate i saw there there was an area a little niche that i thought i could fill in this market with with bringing that global digital media mindset to a local newspaper beat that i just don't think is done very often because most most people in my job like a beat writer job they don't come from all these different sections like i did social media I produced the website. I edited the website. I wrote the website. I interviewed the fighters. I did shows with the fighters. Like I did a little piece of everything. And by the time I left there, I was the director of digital media. So I basically was running UFC.com. And 
I had aspirations. I, I my next step up would probably have been vice president at some point, and it was a different, a completely different life. And obviously, I made ch- like you know choices because of my family and wanting to come back to Buffalo and this being a, just such a special opportunity to cover the Bills, a team I grew up watching. Um, but yeah, the, I think that whole world and what I and what I was allowed to do there set me up for what I was going to do here. Yeah, and I'll tell you, by the way, and you kind of hit on this earlier. You and I did a show. I remember it was the day before. I think it was like December 30th. We taped the show anyway at Casey's Tavern in Black Rock. And we didn't talk about it on the podcast, but we talked about it off air that you were going to explore and looking into doing something like this. So it has been, this isn't an overnight thing. And maybe to some people, it might sort of feel like an overnight thing. You're doing the YouTube show and the video cast is doing really well. But in reality, it was like you said, something that was at a minimum uh, months in the making. One other thing too, and I know you're not going to say this, but I will. I think it matters. With all due respect to people like uh, like Cover One with Greg and Aaron, and I love both those guys. Um, Bruce exclusive. I think Bruce Nolan is as good as literally anybody in the game when it comes to talking bills and analyzing them. Uh, Joe Marino, so many of these guys, the Rock Power Report, I love these podcasts. When it comes to your show, I think that having a guy who covers the team for a living, you know, who in non-COVID times anyway, would be in the locker room has that type of access to the team and the players. I think it provides credibility and I think it provides trust in the host and what you're saying, because again, you cover the team just like when Sal does a show or when Joe and Matt do the bills beat, like you talked about, there's an element that is as great as these guys do. I like to think I can at least hold my own when it comes to talking about the bills, but it's different when you actually cover the team and you're there day in and day out and in that locker room. And I think fans build up a trust in you because of stuff like that. Yeah, but I also don't want to minimize what they do. And I don't think you're right. doing that. No, I, no, no. I, I, but I, I want to say that what I love about this market and, and the group of content creators that are out there is that everybody does kind of fit into a niche. Like, you know, I listen to Bruce Exclusive as much as I listen to the Bills Beat. And, you know, those are guys that have put in the time, have studied their craft and really tried to build themselves into uh you know a, a media personality same with you i mean we, we've talked about your start and you know i talked to sal about like the old days of you, know, you guys grinding and you know the basement bloggers if you will like now everybody i, I think you were talking to sal about this on, on your podcast about how now it's funny everybody has to be a basement blogger because we're all working out of our house yeah it's an evil playing field for the first time in forever <laughs> and it's it's a great point but i think what you know, one thing that I do want to clarify, and, and and there is still a need for the journalists of the world. And that's not a slight on the content creators. They're, they're great. They're entertaining. They're fun. They're informative. But I do think that there need to be people in the locker room and people that, that to hold people accountable. And I, I tell people all the time, like, that ask me, like, what's your job like? And I'm like, well, let me send you into a locker room in Houston after the Bills blow a 16-0 lead and your job is to go interview all the players. It's not always sunshine and roses and it's not always easy. It's not always the fan-driven questions. Sometimes you got to ask hard questions and, and you got to ask questions of guys that play professional football. And some guys, even the content creators out there, maybe never played football at, at, at a high level. And so to put yourself in that scenario is tough and it's a job and people study 
for years in college and learn to learn how to do it. And we need those people too. But just as much as we need those people, I'll tell you right now, I need Bruce exclusive to, to, to listen to the almighty take every Friday. And, uh, uh, no, I just think it's a great community and we're, we're, this is rare, man. I don't yeah. think it's like this. I talked to guys in other markets, like they're like, dude, there's a lot of people that are doing a lot of stuff in the bills, you know, uh, social scene, the, the bills media scene. And I'm like, yeah, man, it's, it's great because I think we all push each other and I think we all collaborate really awesome. I did a podcast a couple months ago where, did you see that? Where I had eight different shows yeah. on in like a two hour span. That was you wild. Need a lot of like, yeah, it was crazy. I don't, it was the first time we ever did it. It was cool. Some parts were probably a little janky, but it's how many times can you say that you can, you can put something like that together where you can have a group of people collaborate like that. It's, it's amazing. I, I love the community. I love all the, the different shows that are popping up all the time. I mean, I can't keep up with Buffalo Fanatics. I tell Rico and Pierre all the time. <laughs> I can't keep up with all the stuff you guys are doing. 10,000 shows a week. Yeah. No, you're you're right too. I, I, I do agree that the Buffalo content creation community when it comes to, especially more specifically for the for our conversation or the Buffalo Bills, it really is outstanding. I think people are very supportive of each other. People are always going on each other's podcasts, which, I mean, you don't have to do. You know what I mean? Like you're very generous with your time. And I've been telling you that many times. Again, I think this is like the sixth or seventh time you've done my podcast. That's cool. Now you brought up Ryan Talbot earlier. Talk about your colleague, our mutual buddy here, Ryan Talbot, and how valuable of an asset he's been both to NewYorkUp.com as a writer and also, you know, doing the podcast and the vidcast with you as well. Well, to start off with, I mean, how lucky am I to land in a spot where a guy you know, that I work so closely with turns into, you know, one of my very good friends. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we talk every day for work, but, and we don't get to see each other a whole ton because he lives in Olean and I live in Buffalo and obviously now with the pandemic, but you know, we spent maybe five to seven days together over the course of uh, the entire time I was at, a, at the beat uh, in person. And then we went to Houston together. We roomed together in the same room because he was a late uh, addition. Um, and it was seamless, man. Like this, this dude is one of the best people you'll ever meet. He's so giving of his time. Like, you know, technically speaking, like he didn't have to do this podcast with me. Like he could have been like, dude, I got a lot of stuff going on. If you, if you read up on Ryan, he's a full-time teacher, man. And he does. Yeah. And, and he's basically a full-time teacher and a full-time beat writer, like for fun. I mean, he obviously gets paid and it's his job too, but I'm just saying like, that's an amazing amount of work on his plate. And he's always up for new ideas. He's always up to pitch in. He's always up to do anything that, that is asked of him. I mean, dude, I, I've seen some really, I mean, we've seen it over the years. I mean, you've covered Buffalo media a, a lot with this podcast and you've seen some of the, you know, the collisions at, you know, within papers and within stations and within, right. you know, organizations for us, man, like that would never, ever be anything. We, I, I push him to do anything he wants. He pushes me to do anything I want. It, it's really like uh, we're a great tag team, man. I, I'm so blessed with that. Yeah, he's really worked hard, and he's good. I mean, look, he's also developed some sources, and it's one thing to be a blogger, and this is no disrespect to bloggers, because some bloggers are amazing bloggers, but Ryan has developed like legitimate sources. Like He's become a legitimate source for breaking news when it comes to draft and signings and, and things like that. He really has stepped up over the last couple of years and been a great asset, not just like you said to you, but just to... Buffalo Bills fans, he does really, uh, really good work. He hustles. 
like, he does all the time like that's his work ethic is second to none and you know he's i mean he breaks more stuff than i do usually like that's I'm still catching up. I've had a nice, I've had a couple nice little, uh, little nuggets over the last couple of years as I've kind of gotten my feet wet, but dude, this guy's been grinding for almost a decade at this. And it's about who you are as a person and everybody that comes into contact with Ryan, it's so easy to not only trust him, but trust that everything that you say with him, he's going to use it in a professional way. And you know, he's dude, I, he came from like the blog world. Like he was working at scout.com. Yep. Uh, he started at queen city sports, dude. He's just as much a beat writer as I am, man. Like he's, 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 I'm so lucky. Like that's all I'll say. I'm so lucky. His work ethic is inspiring. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I had him on my show not too long ago and we were having a conversation and I said, dude, cause I've had this podcast out for about two and a half years. And when I first had him on the first one or two times, I kind of felt like I was doing him the favor. He wasn't really that well-known. In fact, at the time, I had probably more Twitter followers than him. I mean, he surpassed me like five times over now since. But, you know, it's kind of like I was helping him get his name out there a little bit. Now it's like he's doing me the big time solid. Like, I call him. I'm like, dude, I really need you to come on. And when he comes on, you know, the numbers are really good. And speaking of numbers, I mean, again, you guys have really grown on uh, and YouTube, just for an example. You got well over thir- like 13 and a half thousand subscribers on NewYorkUp.com. When you guys are putting out a show, that's that's my that's like my baby. Like that's like to me the YouTube growth is what I really earmarked when I got here that I wanted to really own that market. And what's crazy about it, Pat, and I'm not trying to pat myself on the back here. I think I came in and I think we had like two thousand. Like Matt Fairburn did a great job of starting it out. He didn't really want to do too much video, but he did it. Um, you know, as they were trying to build it. But this New York Upstate um, YouTube page, it's not branded for bills at all. So that 13.5 is basically just on the, the sheer like volume of bill stuff that we put out, uh, which I'm, I'm proud of and I, I'm super grateful for it. Um, but, you know, I, I do think that um, it's tough. It's tough sometimes because right? I feel like, you know, people ask us a lot about, you know, well, what's New York Upstate and what's Syracuse.com and where, where is this all going? So there's a little bit of brand confusion but i think that what i've tried to do is make the brand ryan and i and i think we've done a really good job of that and we we branded the podcast that way and i think people are finding it and that's a testament to bills fans and how awesome and supportive they are yeah absolutely i mean you're consistently every time you guys do an episode getting anywhere from 1.5 to 2k to 5k or over and like i said consistently and that's just from youtube that's not even like periscope or facebook live or like that audio podcast people who might not catch the video that night but then they end up downloading the podcast or whatever the next day and listen to it on the morning drive or such now if nothing else these podcasts vidcasts whatever you want to call them they're very they are time consuming i know that just from doing a podcast uh and in your case not to mention you have a job you know covering the buffalo bills you got a lot of shit to write about too a lot of work to do besides just the podcast kind of take listeners through a typical day for you during Buffalo Bills season, when it's a day that you also are going to be doing, like say a Wednesday when you do the live show, like what a typical day is like for you getting your job done. You got practice, you got a lot of stuff to do, and then you got to do video stuff at night too. Yeah, it could be, um, you know, I definitely think that the written part of things like in the interim here has dropped off a little bit in terms of volume. Uh, we've been going so heavy with the podcast and it's obviously just been sponsored. Uh, we have a year long sponsorship with uh, tops. Yeah, I saw uh, that so really cool for them. 
Yeah, very cool. Like, so it's it's taken off. It's doing great stuff. So the written stuff, I mean, we're still cheering out a, a bunch of stuff, but it just hasn't been as much. But, you know, my week consists of, you know, just fitting it all in, dude. Like, you know what I mean? Like any way that I can. And like the toughest part isn't even navigating the work stuff. It's neg- navigating, you know, being, a, you know, a, a stay-at-home dad basically yeah. some days when my my son's completely virtual. We're, t- we're a little bit nervous about sending him back. He's uh, immune deficient. So if he got COVID, we just don't know what that would look like. And there's been a couple cases in some of the surrounding um, school districts. So he's home. I have a two-year-old daughter who's in her terrible twos, terrible threes, whatever you want to talk about. Like, I, <laughs> I can't believe, I can't believe nobody on the show yet has heard her absolutely blood-curdling scream when we tell her, tell her she can't help my wife do the dishes because she wants to splash the water all over the place. But... <laughs> Dude, she'll she'll get up on a step stool and she'll turn the water on and she'll literally leave the water on for thirty five minutes and wash every dish with just water over and over again. She's such a good girl, but I'm, I keep trying to explain to her, honey, like we don't need to wash that anymore. We're good. <laughs> but it's just about navigating all of that. But like you know, and you know, the Zoom interview stuff is is tough too because sometimes I'll tell you we'll we'll have two Zooms going on at the at the same time. They're doing two Zoom rooms and they'll cycle in guys as they're available. So a lot of times you'll get guys as they're coming off the practice field and you can I know I'm going to go to Jerry Hughes today because I need a story on him. I'll dart to Jerry, get him for 10 minutes, interview him, and then I'll circle back through the, the locker room and pick up some other you know secondary interviews to, like you mentioned, uh, supplement the piece. Well, now I'm only getting who's in the Zoom room. So if Josh Allen is going and I have something for Josh Allen, and oh, by the way, I'm doing a story on Jordan Poyer this week and he pops up in the Zoom. I got to try to get on both of them or I got to try to think who's going to ask the best questions and get what I need out of Josh. And so maybe I can just go do Jordan. So it's this juggling act. And sometimes I've been in situations where I just don't get enough to do the angle that I want to do. And I've been sitting on a Jordan Poyer piece now for a while because I got a lot of great stuff on him, but I haven't had A, the time to really sit down and write it and B, I, I, it was more about like that early part of the season when he had two straight games with game-changing plays. That was really a big crux of the piece. Well, you wait too long on that, and that story kind of – you got to shift the story. So it's, it's just always juggling and trying to figure out, all right, put my foot down, get this thing going. Um, and oh, by the way, here's two or three podcasts this week that you got to plan for and execute and produce. And that's another thing people don't understand. I don't have a producer. So, the, so you'll see me a lot of times on the live show. I'm like typing away. I'm interacting with fans. I'm doing technical stuff. I'm sharing the yeah. stuff. Then after then after the episode's over, I'm sharing it. Uh, I got to post it to the audio platforms. I got to share it and do it embedded in the stories, blah, blah, blah. It's a one-man show when it comes to the tech side of all of this. So that's- It's time consuming. The recording sometimes can be the easiest part of doing a podcast, whether it's just video or even audio. It's the other stuff that could be more time consuming than anything else. Have you screwed a podcast up yet? Because if you haven't, I promise you at some point you will. By that, I mean, you'll be having an interview with somebody and you realize you're not, you didn't hit record. I've done that a couple of times. You know what I'm saying? Have you done anything like that yet? Because you will if you haven't. Yeah. Yeah, I have. Um, Before (laughs) we were doing the live, before we were doing the live shows, I had a doctor of epidemiology on at the beginning of the thing. And we just did a zoom call and I didn't record the zoom. So he had to do it again <laughs> and he was so gracious and he did it. Yeah. Um, and people are usually really understanding about that stuff sure. as I'm sure you've learned, but yeah, it's, 
the tech stuff, like where I was having an audio issue. I was using this, this, this mic. I tried to use it with you here and it's just, uh, we, it's, it's gone through the wars, man. I've had this for two years now. Everything I've done, you know, at home, I've done with this mic and it's just time to move on. And so that I was having issues the other night. We had Kim Jones on one of our best podcasts today. She was phenomenal. Like everything that she was bringing to this, like, cause what the cool thing about Kim Jones was she was bringing a national angle, but also with a breadth of knowledge on the bills because she covered them a lot over the last two years. She's been in Buffalo. I have to say she was probably in game week. She was probably in Buffalo at least six to eight times last year. So she had a foundational understanding of the bill. So when you bring that kind of national voice to the podcast, it's a really, I think, uh, you know, good conversation. And I was having audio issues. The the microphone wasn't working right. And so I was changing it back and forth. And she was really good. You know, the biggest one though, the biggest tech one, our biggest guest today, Chad, Michael Murray. How amazing is this guy? I get him on. And the app that we were using at the time, it kept booting him out of the room every two minutes. So for the entirety of the 50-minute podcast, he was getting booted out every two minutes, had to log back into the app, log back in the room. And he did that over and over again every two minutes for a 50-minute episode. Wow. And it was great. And I, w- I went in afterwards and, and edited the audio so you didn't get all those breaks. And Ryan was a pro, and you know, we, we pulled it off and, and worked with it. But you're going to deal with those things and, and, and everybody's been so amazing and has dealt with, with it along with us. Yeah. You know, Kim Jones, by the way, I've, I've been a big fan of hers dating all the way back when she used to cover the Yankees for yes network. She's a, uh, she's one of the best in the business. Now, before we finish with a, just a few minutes of bills talk here, we hit on the NBA. I, I really got to give them props because three months plus in that bubbles hard, zero positive COVID test. Um, the playoffs were great, I thought. I, I feel like they really set the blueprint for the best way to get through a season or a playoffs in this type of environment. Hopefully, this doesn't happen again next year and things are getting back to semi-normal. But uh, anyway, I also want to give some props to the Lakers, LeBron. You know, I'm just going to say this because you don't even have to be a, a diehard basketball fan, but I always have and always still believe that Michael Jordan is like ever so slightly the best ever. But, and plus, I hate those comparisons. I don't know what your feeling is on that day. MJ LeBron. But I'll tell you this, man. I'm certainly at the point where I'm at least willing to engage in any LeBron is the greatest combos ever after this. I think he's earned that right. At worst, he's the second best player ever. And in my opinion, he's right there, like within an arm's length of MJ. Where do you fall on that now? I feel like it's a very nuanced. Like, it is debate that I feel like nobody wants to use nuance with. They just want it to be this all-encompassing A versus B, and there's no middle ground, and there's no really discussing it. It's either, you know, and and I think that what we're going to deal with forever is, unless somehow the the Lakers, this is really the start of a dynasty, it's probably going to end up being where Jordan's always going to have the rings, and LeBron's always going to have the the personal stats. Um, But I fall on it like I think that what LeBron has done to me with the pressure that was on him. Yes. And I'm not saying that there wasn't pressure on Michael. Like we saw the, in, in the last dance, I don't think anybody realized the pressure that he was under being an icon. Like, like LeBron is a superstar in, in, in the world of superstars now. Like yeah. there's so many, like Michael was, you know, he, I, I liken him to Muhammad Ali. Like that dude was when he was at the top, it was him, and it, 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 that's what everybody was talking about. 
And so like, I didn't even realize that I grew up watching him, how taxing that was on him. So what he did under those circumstances, I don't think anybody will ever top the, you know, those two runs that he had were just, they're untouchable in sports, like the unbelievable greatness for an extended period of time. But I think that if you're talking about the greatest basketball player that ever lived, for me, it's LeBron just because he did everything, man. There's nothing this guy couldn't do. He could be your defensive player of the year. He can lead the NBA in assists. He can be the scoring champion. He can be an all pro. He can be a finals MVP. He can be a league MVP. He could carry a team with nothing to the NBA finals. He can win rings. Like he did everything. And and I just think he's this ultimate hated on guy. I, I get it. Like people think he's a little bit, um, he's his social media presence is a little bit weird, but we didn't get Michael's social media presence because it right. wasn't there. So, but I will say this, I want to get this in. You know what I was, I'm a big LeBron fan, obviously. I want to put that bias in there, obviously. I grew up a Michael Jordan stand too, though. Like, it, But that doesn't count because everybody was a Michael Jordan stand. Like, there was nobody arguing against Michael Jordan in the Michael Jordan era. I, at least I don't remember it. No, no, and, no. And so, but what I was doing last night as the, the, the Lakers won the title was I was drinking the Paul Pierce tears that he was likely <laughs> crying. He's before, a hater. <laughs> oh, dude. Could you imagine being Paul Pierce watching your guy Rajon Rondo win a title with LeBron, your arch nemesis? Have you been just absolutely shitty on the guy yeah. for the last few months? Like, get you know, what do they say? F O H. Fuck out of here, uh, Paul <laughs> Pierce. Come on. Well, I'll tell you this much: I don't think there's a wrong answer. If your team MJ all the way, he gives you every piece of ammunition you can ever need. But I will say this: if you are Team LeBron, there's two big deciding factors for me that can make me very much lean towards LeBron. Number one is the fact that, dude, what we just saw last night on Sunday night, let's not forget this, man. He's 35 years old. Dude, he's been in the NBA for 17 years, still playing at a dominant level, pretty much the best player in the game right now, today, still 35 years old, man. He's going to be 36 next season. That's crazy. And then the other thing, I'm not going to say Michael came into the league with no fanfare, but, I mean, he was the third overall pick. So he wasn't number one. He wasn't number two. And LeBron was playing on ESPN in high school. I don't think ever in the history, not just basketball, maybe even sports, period. I don't think there's ever been an athlete who's come into professional sports with bigger expectations, more on his shoulders, before he even played one professional game than LeBron. And not only has he met those crazy expectations, he's exceeded it. Just imagine... Like you said, with Twitter and social media and all these expectations, you know, the weight of the world on you at 17, 18 years old coming into the NBA to, to meet those expectations, that counts an awful lot in my book. Yeah, and no one has done it with more, you know, grace and more um, just consistent. Like, can you remember a, a period of time where he wasn't just amazing at, at what he does? Never. Like every time, even the, the Dallas series that people like point to, he still was like the best player on the court. Like, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think that you go back to what he had to deal with coming into the league and the light that was sh shown upon him and what he had to do. Like, dude, how many people, like if you take two things, the, for the fact he couldn't shoot, he was a liability as a shooter. He had to completely, you know, develop that part of his game. Yeah. And he had nobody around him. How many people in those first seven years just completely just shrink from the constant pressure of it all. It just motivated him to just assassinate the league over the, or after he left Cleveland to the 
You know, the Cleveland title may be the most impressive title in the history of sports, down 3-1 against the greatest team of all time. He's got some feathers in his cap, man. Yeah, he does. He really does. And the funny thing is, the conversation's not even, like, the, the final chapter hasn't even been written yet. This guy still might be the best player in the NBA for two or maybe even three more years. Who the hell knows? It's nuts. Anyway, uh, all right. Look, I've put it off long enough. I, I just want to spend a couple minutes here talking about the Bills. Not going to preview the game that hopefully people are listening to this on Tuesday. They're going to see the game Tuesday night. If you want a nice preview, go to the YouTube channel. Matt's, I will put a link to it in the show notes. But as of right now, so we're taping this late Monday night. The game is still on. What I wanted to ask you is, do you get a sense that there's at least some Buffalo Bills players that don't want to play this game for reasons that have little or nothing to do with football. Obviously, I'm talking about COVID and concerns. You get the sense that there might be some guys who are, if they're not flat out against playing, they're at least like kind of trepidatious about it. I mean, again, it's hard to say without like, you know, being in there and talking to these guys. But I will say from a few conversations that I have had, this goes back to last week. They've done a really good job. Even the, the folks that have been maybe a little bit hesitant about the whole operation. Like if you go back to Micah Hyde, I think Tim Graham put out a story during the off season about Micah Hyde being really on the fence about this whole thing. Well, Micah Hyde came out and was kind of like, Hey man, we want to play. It seems like they're doing the right things. Everything's safe. And you know, as long as they have a couple days of negative tests, we're ready to go. And so like if Micah Hyde is going to be um, all in like that, I think that that sends a, a really big message. And Everybody that we've talked to from the top on down in the organization, they're putting their trust and faith in the league, whether or not that's a good idea, whether or not the league has earned that. Like, I mean, listen, as much as I, I, I'll i applaud the NFL for how they've done this thing, I do think it's a little bit questionable that they're sending the bills down to Tennessee, which is like the hotbed of this disease. Like, I know that the Tennessee Titans played the Minnesota Vikings and all things went well for the Vikings, but who's to say that, you know, that doesn't that that happens in this instance especially now that the virus is so prevalent in the titans organization and so i don't know man it's it's definitely a slippery slope i definitely think that the way that the, this this game's teetered i got the sense from a couple private conversations that maybe that that wasn't that the bills weren't thrilled with that part of it you know what i mean like you know getting strung along having the game moved and you know, having to put together two game plans last week, one for the Chiefs, one for the Titans. And so I think now, though, what Sean McDermott does better than maybe anybody in the NFL or maybe better than a, I mean, there's a handful that you could put in this this group. He gets his guys to buy in, whatever it is. And he has a lot of different guys with a lot of different. I'm sure he doesn't love the fact that John Feliciano spends his time on game days while on IR tweeting his feelings <laughs> about stuff. Yeah. But, I think that Sean McDermott gets buy-in. I think he gets it better than almost anybody in the league. And you're going down. You got to win a game. You're you're four and zero right now. The first four and zero team since 2008. You could become the first Bills team since 1991 to go five and zero. This is uncharted territory. So he's going to get them dialed up when they go down to their play. All this COVID stuff's on the back burner. I think tomorrow night you'll see you know uh, uh, an engaged Bills team that's ready to compete. Now, one thing that we know is not going to happen. Now, obviously. The league is investigating protocols. We know that there's going to ultimately be sanctions against Tennessee. One thing we obviously know is not going to happen is a forfeit. Were you in that camp that you felt like Tennessee deserved to potentially have to forfeit this game and maybe even last week against Pittsburgh? 
or do you just feel like uh, other sanctions will do in? What do you think those might be? Like potential, obviously a very heavy fine, maybe draft pick or draft picks going against them. How do you see this playing out? I was never in the camp of a forfeit. I, I don't like, I think that as a league, you still have options. And I think that, you know, I know they want to play a 16 game schedule. And I know that, you know, you know, players were under this impression that, you know, you get guys with COVID, you get them out and you get practice squad guys in or whatever that the case may be. And you move on forward with it. But I think there's still options. I, I think what we learned from the NBA is you can string out a season, figure out a new way to do it and, and put some more brain power behind it and then execute the plan. There's nobody saying that you have to get this Super Bowl done by February, whatever the date is. You know, if this, if you need to add four weeks, whether it be a couple in the regular season, maybe a week between the regular season finale and the um, playoffs, a couple dead stops where you just kind of recalibrate and get every, get everything on any type of, you know, outbreaks around the league under control. You, you have plenty of time to work that out. You don't need an eight-month offseason. I know the, the NFL loves their draft and their combine and all these events. What's the combine going to even look like? Can we have the combine in February like, uh, like, like, like usual? I mean, I don't think we're trending in that direction. So I, I think that you just take your time here. You, you do it the best way that you can do it. If you need to stop, I think people will survive for a Sunday without football, as crazy as that is the sound. But just to get this done the right way, Whatever you could do to avoid forfeits, and I get it. You want to penalize the Titans for allegedly, you know, doing some stuff that they shouldn't have been doing. But like, I, I do agree with Ryan Tannehill to a degree as well. Let's let this thing play out. I think it's always easy to rush to quick judgment. Let's see what actually transpired and how it transpired. Um, it's definitely not a good look, but I, I want to see all the information. And I think the forfeit should be the last kind of thing that you do. I, I'd rather have the game canceled and have to figure that out, that kind of stuff out down the line. You know what? Fair point. As you were saying that, it kind of reminded me of Ed Oliver and how everybody, including myself, rushed to judgment that he had a DWI. They showed a video of him and looked like he could have been intoxicated. Obviously, now we know he wasn't. Anyway, my point being is that's a good point. Let's not rush to judgment and let shit uh, play out. Now, as a fan, how do you think you should feel? Now, taking in consideration, every fan knows that we're lucky to even have any football. I get that. But as a fan, um, like if you weren't covering the team right now, and uh, would you love or hate playing at 7 p.m. on a Tuesday night and then the following week at 5 p.m. on a Monday evening? Like this was supposed to be Sunday, 1 o'clock, and then Thursday night football. Now I got Tuesday night and then Monday. I don't, I don't even call it a night game. It's like Monday rush hour traffic game. Uh, what's your thoughts on that as a fan? Yeah, I think the Tuesday 7 o'clock start is – is money. Like, I mean, if I, I think back to like when I, when I, you know, watch this team as a fan and I would love to, you know, maybe grill order some pizza or something and, yeah. and, and have some friends over for a little Tuesday night football. That'd be awesome. Plus it breaks up the week a little bit. I almost wish they would have done it on Wednesday, right? Like you, you have like a, uh, a, a nice little middle of the week uh, football game. But I think that the Monday night game is a little bit strange. I don't love the five o'clock start. I understand fans that have an issue with that. Uh, coming home from work, trying to, you know, figure that out. If you have kids and, and here's another thing, my brother was saying this to me, you know, even the seven o'clock start for people that have young kids is tough because that's a, usually the time you're trying to get them in bed. Yeah. And so, you know, he's like, if it was eight o'clock, it'd be perfect. So I don't, I don't, I don't really know why the NFL on that Monday game didn't just do like a, you know, maybe do a West coast game. If you could do it a, a West. And that's another thing too, that I think the NFL hasn't even done yet. 
why are why are we like especially for the teams that aren't having fans why are we like married to their stadiums like you could put like if you maybe if you want to do something where you just send two teams out west or something for for a game uh like a neutral site who cares there's no fans in the stadium most stadiums anyway and if there is it's not really an advantage i don't i Eight thousand fans to me. I, I know they want to make their money and all that kind of stuff, but I, my point is there's options, and so I, I think the five o'clock start is a little bit weird, and I think it is kind of inconsiderate of you know fans that you know maybe are getting out of work at five o'clock and may, might not might miss. You're going to see a lot of people maybe take half days. Yeah. I mean, this is a Bills team that reminds me a lot of those Super Bowl era teams where you know they were given off days off of school, you know, for you know in some of those Super Bowl runs. So, um, but yeah. It, we knew there was going to have to be adjustments made because of COVID, but it's kind of a bummer for, for people that want to see that Chiefs game. That's a big game. It is. And, you know, last question, then I'm going to let you go. I appreciate your time as always. Uh, it feels more, the AFC right now, to me, feels more for the taking than I thought it was going to be a few weeks ago. Baltimore's offense, they just don't impress me right now much at all. I mean, they're winning, but the offense don't look good. Then, of course, you got the Chiefs, who the Bills are scheduled to play next week anyway. Obviously, they're elite, but... They struggled big time with the Chargers, and then they flat out got beat, man. They got outplayed and lost at home to the Raiders. I've watched every snap, by the way, the Kansas City Chiefs this year. They don't look like they did last year. Let's just put it that way. Uh, and the Bills, you know, meanwhile, at least in some ways, kind of dominated the Raiders on the road. Uh, again, I'm not, I'm not saying the Bills are better than either of these teams, but the gap feels smaller to me right now than it did not too long ago. And I'll especially feel that way if they go out and they beat Tennessee on Tuesday night now. I didn't. And on the Steelers, they're very good. But anyway, my point being is it was supposed to be Baltimore, Kansas City, and then everybody else in this conference. Don't feel that way to me right now. How about you? No, I think that this it's wide open at the top. And I think that what I maintained, you know, in the offseason was you need a really great defense and defensive um, scheme and mind to go up against some of these great offenses and what the bills had before we even knew what they had from a offensive perspective is we knew they had a lot of that. And now this defense obviously has gotten off to a little bit slower of a start than I think that a lot of people wanted to see. And I understand if there's concerns there rightfully so, but we saw last week what Patrick Mahomes struggled with. It was a, a zone scheme that forced him to have to fit balls in and wait on guys to get open and get through areas of the zone and that's where the Bills have, have been the most successful over the course of McDermott's tenure. Go back and read. I, I, I shared it on my Facebook page. Look up Matt Perino, uh, Buffalo Bills coverage. That's what I uh, go by on Facebook so people can find me. I shared a clip from a podcast I did uh, right at playoff time last year, right before it started. And they wanted to do predictions and, you know, how are the Bills going to do against Houston? But it got talking to a lot of, about a lot of the other teams. And I, and I mentioned my thoughts on Lamar Jackson coming off of his MVP season is like, I love what this guy's doing. He's a phenomenal player, but he hasn't done any of that in the playoffs. And it's a completely different ball game when, when teams have good teams have tape on you and other teams have had success against you. And we've seen the Buffalo bl blueprint that Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier wrote last year against Lamar Jackson in a loss where Lamar Jackson still made some plays. The Tennessee Titans took it to the next level and knocked them out of the playoffs. I think that they can become a very one-dimensional team when the right defense goes up against them. And now, if we're finding a new little wrinkle to slow down Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes, who I think is the best player in the NFL, 
it's a whole new ball game. And at the top of things, this isn't even talking about the fact that you might have the best offense in the NFL. You definitely have the best four-pack of wide receivers in the NFL. I'll argue anybody right now. Gabriel Davis is the real deal. And I thought going in that this was an argument for the top trio in the league. So it's just about getting this run game going. I think what I really want to see from this offense is a game where Allen is cooking, the offense, the passing offense is doing what it's been doing, and that running game really knocks them in the in the face too. And you see a, a real complementary effort from both things. Because I feel like the run game, in fits, it's been all right, and Devin Singletary has had really good moments. I haven't seen a, a whole game where that's really got going. And that was that was their calling card last year. I thought that's what Bobby Johnson brought to the table and how he built that offensive line. So maybe Zach Moss comes back this week. We'll see. He's questionable still with that toe. Uh, but yeah, they're right there, man. I, I think this is going to be so fun to watch how this AFC unfolds over the course of the, hopefully Patrick Mahomes who played, uh, who hugged uh, Stefan Gilmore doesn't get COVID. Hopefully Josh Allen, who's playing the Titans who are coming off of a, an absolute 24 person franchise outbreak doesn't get COVID and, and everybody stays healthy. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, man, it's going to be a really exciting, assuming they get to play these games, couple of weeks of Buffalo Bills football, playing two of the best teams in the conference. I'm sure we're going to learn a lot. Anyway, all right, everyone, give Matt a follow on Twitter at Matt Perino, MiracleUp.com. I'm going to put links to all this stuff in the show notes. Check out the YouTube show. I call it the YouTube show. I know it's a video cast because you can watch it on other things. I'm just so used to seeing YouTube. Plus, that's why I always watch it. So I'm going to link it to that. Bro, thank you so much, man. I always love having it on the podcast. Be nice if I could get in Buffalo, get back, and we've already done it twice in two different spots to get out and have wings and do a show that's kind of our thing. Who knows, man? Maybe in due time, I will be back there permanently and we could do this a lot more often. But anyway, bro, you know, man, I love you, man. Yeah, man, we'll do that. We'll, we'll, we'll wings it up all over town and you, and I could tell you all over town how bad your wings takes are, but no, nah, I'm just kidding. You're, I want to say something before we get out of here about you. Cause I was talking about the content curators, like, you know, dude, your, your, your show. Like I, I gotta be honest. I can't listen to it every single time with the busyness of everything. But man, you you have always like I love the conversation that you generate with the format of your show. It's so unique in what it is, and yeah, of course you hold your own with Bills talk and Sabers talk and all that stuff. Uh, I even I even enjoy your segments with Buffalo uh, with with my buddy Joe. By the way, <laughs> little thing, little tidbit about Joe. Uh, we went to we went to grade school together. Like I'm talking St. Leo's way back in the day. Uh, so shout out to to Joe. Uh, he's a he's a good dude. And but anyway, I think that what you bring. Like this podcast, I think is such a a, a a a little gem in this community that this this definitely doesn't exist in other markets too. So shout out to you, man! Like keep it up. I love it. I love that you have all the guy all the guys and gals uh, from the Buffalo market. You have the national people. You have the, the 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 content creators. It's great stuff, man. It's always it's always a fun lesson. All right, boys and girls, that is going to do it for another episode. Very big thank you again. My man, Matt Perino from NewYorkUp.com. Love Matt. Does such a great job covering the Buffalo Bills. Not just with the written word anymore, but with the podcast, bidcast as well. Him and Ryan Talbot, they're killing it. So thank you very much, Matt. Always fun to have you on the show. Coming up on Friday, I'm going to have Chris Baker, Sabres Prospects. Obviously, a lot going on with the Buffalo Sabres. We'll have plenty to talk about. Plus, by the way, Chris isn't just a hockey guy. As we've seen the last couple of times I've had him on, maybe we'll talk Bills, Titans, 
Look forward to that game against Kansas City next week. Plenty more coming up next Friday, or I should say this Friday, with my buddy Chris Baker. Guys, if you have not yet subscribed to this podcast, please go ahead and do that right now. Rate and review. It literally takes you a couple seconds to do, and it really, really, really helps me continue to grow this podcast. We're available on all the major podcasting platforms out there. I don't need to go through all of them. Also, follow us on YouTube. Talk about Flow Podcast YouTube channel. Highlight clips. Some original content coming very, very soon. Then, of course, last but not least, follow me on Twitter at Pemoran Tweets. I am always on the Twitter. Love Twitter at Pemoran Tweets. Thank you so much for listening. Say it all the time. I sound like a broken record and I don't care. I appreciate each and every single person who locks into this show because there's so many out there. And when you're giving me your time, I promise you, I don't take it lightly at all. So thank you very much. Have a good week. Stay safe. Do the right thing. I'll be back. Chris Baker, brand new show on Friday.